Welcome to Hope Community Church's Sermon of the Week. It's our prayer that this message will encourage and equip you to love like Jesus. To learn more about Hope, visit us at hccalive.com. Now enjoy the message. Well, this morning we have already had an awesome opportunity to worship God through music. I'm excited to worship Him through His Word. But for those of you who maybe have been visiting over the last several weeks and we haven't had a chance to meet, my name is Jed. And uh, I have really enjoyed the last month of not preaching because it's allowed me the chance to do two things as I hold up one finger. Not learn how to count. I have been reminded of how much I miss teaching. But two, I have been able to use that extra time to plan and prep and and get ahead again, which has been really nice. Last week, I actually met somebody, and uh, he had been visiting for three weeks. And I introduced myself, and he's like, now who are you? And I go, uh, my name is Jed. I'm one of the pastors here. He's like, so what do you guys do? Just have random people talk each week? And I'm like, well, it's not quite like that. We've been in a series, though, of looking at some burning questions. And this is week four of five. And so next week, Carl Hammer will teach and he'll conclude that series. But I'm so thankful for Jim teaching week one and Bo teaching week two. And Dr. Mulherin, one of our elders, last week preaching on the fear of God. This week, we're going to be looking at how the truth sets us free, how the truth can set us free. But before we do, I just want to also say one other thing. Last week, we had an opportunity at our Hope Care Day to serve families in the community. And I know so many of you have participated in that over the years through prayer, through giving time. And I want you to know that last week was an absolute incredible opportunity where we loved people like Jesus, and that is our mission here at Hope Church. We want to love people the way that Jesus does, without limits and unconditionally. But in order for us to do that well, we have to know who God is. Then we grow in that relationship. Actually, today is going to be an emphasis on that, but as we grow, we're able to go change the world, and I'm super grateful for what we were able to do last week. Now, One of the things I think of with truth is how relative it has become in our society, but not only ours, right, across the world, how people have begun to to consider what truth is through their lens. In fact, sometimes we hear people say, when, when you share something that's true, they say, well, that may be true to you, but that doesn't mean it's true for me. Is it possible, though, that truth can be relative? I would say at times, yes. For example... I could tell you that ice cream is awesome. And most of you would agree. And those of you who have a close relationship with Jesus would be like, yes, I agree. But there are people here who are lactose intolerant. And they'd be like, no, ice cream is not awesome. Do you know what that does to me after I eat ice cream? It's, it's not good. So they would say that's not awesome. But there are other things like gravity that are universally true. That's a truth that whether we like it or not, it's true. What goes up must come down. I remember when I was a little kid, and back then we we used to get a lot more snow, and we'd have to shovel the driveway by hand. We didn't have a snowblower. And I remember one year there was this huge snowdrift that was right up against our garage. And my little brother and I, who was just one year younger than me, we had this really brilliant idea. We're like, this is our chance to put a ladder up against the side of the garage. And I just want to give, give this disclosure. Kids, if you're listening, do not do this because you're going to find out what happened. 
So we put this ladder up against the, the house. We climb up onto the garage, and we had this thought, okay, Jed, you're heavier. How about you jump into the snowbank, and if, and if everything goes good, we know it will support my little brother. The last thing I remember is jumping. The next thing I remember is the incredible pain that ran through my body because that snow was pretty powdery. And for those of you who have jumped into powdery snow, it doesn't stop you like the packy stuff. So I hit the ground, and I was reminded that gravity is universally true. What goes up must come down. But Jesus teaches a truth claim that not only is universally true, it's absolutely true. Now, that doesn't mean that everybody is going to agree with what Jesus teaches. I hope this morning that we find ourselves in agreement with what he taught, but there are times in our lives when we read God's word, when we spend time in prayer, when the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, we may even find ourselves in agreement with what God is showing us or teaching us, but we don't always listen. We don't always obey what he's teaching. This is the situation as Jesus is going to be teaching in John chapter 8. Let me just set the context real quick. In John chapter 8, Jesus is first confronted with a situation where a person had been caught in adultery, and they, they bring this person before Jesus. The gender is not important. It's irrelevant. But in the story, they, they try to trap Jesus because already his ministry has begun to be controversial. And so they, they bring this person to Jesus, and they give Jesus an ultimatum. In fact, in this moment, they thought they had him totally trapped. They're like, okay, Jesus, here's what the law says. When a person is caught in adultery, they should be stoned and killed. What do you say? Now, if Jesus says, well, it's no big deal, he's dismissing the law, and that would be inconsistent with who he was. The word of God made flesh. That would be inconsistent with not only his character, but the nature of God. God get, can't just be dismissive, but if he said, okay, then she or he should be stoned and put to death, then all of a sudden people are like, okay, that, this is a, a God of wrath and a God of vengeance. That would be whom Jesus would represent. He represents the heart of God absolutely perfect, though. He doesn't, he, he doesn't give in to the, to the, the test but he takes his time, and God is so patient. He is so patient. He takes his time, writes in the dirt a little bit, and then he stands up and says, whoever is without sin can cast the first stone. And I thought, man, that's, that's a good lesson just to who the truth of Jesus is because sometimes we can get in a habit of casting stones in the direction of other Christians or non-Christians, and I thought, what a, what a good reminder before we even look at the text of how Jesus balances both truth and grace, and a reminder for us not to throw stones, especially when we live in a glass house. But Jesus says, whoever's without sin casts the first stone. Then he goes on to teach he's the light of the world. He's got everybody's attention now, right? And as they're listening to him teach, he begins to share with them about how the truth 
can set them free. In John chapter 8, beginning in verse 31, when we look at how truth can be known, here's what we see. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, and that's an important distinction. There are people that are listening to Jesus as he teaches who believed in him, and there were also people who were listening to Jesus as he taught who weren't believing in him. They, they, they were wanting to catch him. They were wanting to trap him. But it says, as he's talking specifically to those who had believed in him, here's what he said. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth. I underline that because that's this point, And the truth will set you free. There's actually two parts to this. Jesus says, you will know the truth. But the second part of knowing the truth is that you will be set free. That's going to be the second point. But he continues. And they answered, we are the offspring of Abraham, and we have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? When when they thought of truth in this moment, they believed in Jesus. And the response as they believed in Jesus, they're, they're trying to wrestle through this idea and concept of we know the truth. The, the truth is that we are descendants of Abraham, therefore we are in a right relationship with God. I, I think of today in our vernacular, people might say, I'm a Christian. Because I'm a Christian, that automatically makes me right with God. That, that's intellectually or maybe conceptually what people think. But their life may not be in alignment with what the Bible teaches or what Christ teaches, but they say that they're a Christian. There are times where even we don't live consistently with what the word teaches, and someone will remind us, I thought you were a Christian. And we're like, oh yeah, thanks for reminding me, because in the moment, I wasn't living like one or acting like one or talking like one. There's conviction that happens. But the truth can be known, and that's what Jesus is teaching right here in this moment. Jesus says, if you abide in my word, that word abide means to remain, continue. If you abide and remain and continue in my word, you are truly my disciples. One of the things that we talk often about here at Hope is it's so important to spend time reading our Bibles every single day. A lot of times people are like, well, it's hard for me to get into that habit. Or whenever I try to read my Bible, I I don't get out of it anything, or it's hard to understand. I want to just remind you, there are some methods that you can do in advance to even reading your Bible that will help you get out of your Bible reading what you need to. One is just take time to quiet your heart and pray. Sometimes in the morning for me, That might be two minutes where I just take some time, sip my coffee, and I just spend time in prayer. And then I'll I'll often pick up my Bible to begin reading, and I'll start reading, and the same thing happens to me. And I'm like, I'm halfway through a chapter, and I'm thinking, what did I just read? I need to stop. I just need to settle my heart, quiet my heart for a moment, pray some more, and then I'll start over. Because it only takes about five minutes to read a chapter, and I'm a slow reader, but It's so important for us to read God's word every single day because it provides nourishment to our spirit. It allows us to know God's truth. In fact, in a couple of weeks, 
when we start working through the book of James, we're going to see that the word of God is like a mirror. It, it, it lets us know the areas in our life that need to come into alignment with God. I think of how Psalm 119 reminds us that it's the word of God that's a lamp unto our feet. It allows us to see. Sometimes in the middle of the night, I have to get up and maybe get a drink of water or, or use the restroom, and it's dark. And you know what I do? I take my phone, it's got a little flashlight, and I use it to walk back to my bed because I don't always pick up my clothes, I don't always pick up my stuff, and if I don't do that, I'm gonna trip. And then I'm gonna wake up my wife, and I don't wanna do that, but I need that little lamp unto my feet so that I don't trip over something. That's what God's word is. It's a lamp unto our feet. Jesus tells his disciples, those whom believed in him, if you are my disciples, here's what I'm telling you to do. Abide in my word. Read my word. Spend time with me, knowing my character and nature through the word. When we do that, we not only know the truth, we not only intellectually digest it, but we develop conviction. And there's a difference between knowing something and really believing it. This last uh, week, I was, I was out in the yard and I had no shoes on because it's that time of the year. I know this is kind of hypocritical because when our kids go out in the yard with no shoes, we always tell them to put shoes on because we don't want their feet to get dirty. And then they come into the house and walk all over the carpet. You guys know what I'm talking about? But because we're the parents and we pay the bills, sometimes we don't always do what we tell them that they should do. So I'm walking out in the yard barefoot, and all of a sudden, I stepped on a little stone. Now, in that moment, as I stepped on that little pebble, there was like this intense pain that shot all the way through my body and out into the cosmos. Now, that may be a little dramatic, but my kids are often reminding me I can be a drama queen, and so I just use that as an illustration to say I experienced intense pain. Now, here's the thing. In that moment, I thought, man, when I was a kid, I used to be able to run across the stones. And I couldn't, I was fast too. Like I wasn't like a slow runner. Like, like we would have races on those stones. And I thought, what's changed? It's the same feet. Like maybe a little bit bigger, but what's changed? Sure, I've gained a couple pounds since then. And, and I've aged a little bit. But my feet are, are not calloused anymore. They, they don't have the calluses on them from walking around barefoot all the time. So they're tender, the way that feet should be, from walking in shoes. So I thought about how that illustrates sometimes the truth of God's word penetrating our hearts. You see, sometimes our hearts can become calloused. And we don't always feel the way that we, we need to receive God's word as he's teaching us, as he's, as he's uh, showing us who he is. Sometimes our hearts get calloused. That's the situation, even as Jesus was teaching here. Some believed, but some had calloused hearts. And I thought, man, when we abide in God's word, we need to prepare our hearts for that too. Jesus says, when you abide in his word, we will know the truth. But the second part of it is that the truth sets us free. What does the truth set us free from? As we read these next couple of verses, we're going to see that the truth of God's word sets us free, actually, from sin. Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, 
you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me, Jesus tells him, because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. Now, now we're beginning to see more clearly the distinction within the crowd. But Jesus tells them, when we know the truth, it's the truth that will set us free. But very specifically, he's talking about sin. I really like what one of my commentaries I had read this week said by Bruce Milne. He says this, In his unveiling of the human heart, Jesus reaches beyond the specific acts of sin to which he will turn in a moment to the root cause, the principle of sin, what Paul was to call the sinful nature. That's in Romans chapter 7. Milne continues, We do not become sinners because we commit sin. We commit sins because we are sinners. We have fallen, sin-orientated hearts. Jesus traces the ultimate source of evil in the heart back to the devil. Jesus said, whoever practices sin is a slave to sin. And if you don't believe that, try to stop sinning. If you don't believe that we become a slave to what we obey, Try to stop. We, we sometimes think in our minds that we can get away with it, but what we find quickly is that whatever we yield ourselves to takes us captive. I love the way that Romans 6 reminds us of that, but it doesn't always make it easy. There, there's a, a fight against sin, but when we fight against sin and we experience the freedom on the other side, there will come times of temptation There will come moments of weakness where we have to continue to press forward. But when we do, we experience the freedom. See, the truth sets us free when we obey it, when we live it. That's what Jesus is saying. It isn't just about knowing that he came so that we could be set free. It's about embracing that. It's about not tying our heritage to our lineage. It's about experiencing something personally. Jesus said, that the truth will set us free when we obey. Now they're saying back to Jesus, we've always been free. We've always been your people. But a simple history lesson shows that they haven't always been free. They were slaves in Egypt. They were under oppression at the time of Judges. They were exiled in Babylon. And currently they're under Roman domination. But they thought, that their freedom was in their lineage. Sometimes we, we can think that too. We can think because we're a Christian that we have freedom, but real freedom comes from obeying what God teaches. Perhaps an example would help to understand the, the illustration between bondage and freedom. Bondage is when we feel like we're trapped. For example, when you have to always ask your spouse permission to purchase something. Do you know what I'm talking about? Some of you do, and you don't want to say anything, and that's good. And some of you don't because you're the ones with the control, and I get that too. But bondage is like when we feel like we always have to ask permission. Freedom, however, is is remembering in that moment that you have a piece of plastic in your wallet. It's a credit card. And it never says no. It never needs to be asked permission, and you can always 
use it. Now, I'm kind of joking with that, but I'll also tell you this. If you want to get on the same page with your spouse financially, take Financial Peace University. That was an absolute game changer in our marriage. But sometimes we live in bondage so long that we forget freedom is possible. Even as Christians, sometimes we live in bondage so long that we forget freedom is possible. Jesus said this, if the Son sets you free, capital S, the Son of God, if the Son sets you free, you will be free. But we still have to receive it. We, we still have to walk in it. It's still an action. It's still a decision that we continue and, consi- and consistently, easy for me to say, make. We have to choose that. We have to choose to receive that freedom. Jesus was making a way for them to experience freedom, and he makes a way for us to have freedom. Jesus said, if you abide in my truth, and then if you obey it, that's what sets us free. Jesus came to lead them out of a place of bondage religiously, where they thought that if they would do the right things, if they would obey the laws, if they would make the sacrifices, they thought they would experience freedom. But the reason that people were still so in tuned to what Jesus was saying is they knew something was missing. No matter how many sacrifices they made, no matter how good they tried to be, they knew something was missing. They still had not experienced the freedom of a relationship with God. And Jesus is saying, you can experience that relationship through him, Jesus. That's how we experience freedom I really appreciate what Bruce Milne would go on to say. He says, our freedom is not the freedom to do as we want, but the freedom from being controlled by our fallen hearts to do as God wants. True freedom is not the liberty to do anything we please, but the liberty to do what we ought. And it is genuine liberty because doing what we ought now pleases us. There is such satisfaction when we do the things that God created us to do because our hearts have been changed, because our hearts are continued to be renewed and made new. Then when we do the things that God calls us to do, there is joy. That's why when we choose to sin or when we yield to temptation, we experience guilt and shame and frustration, and irritation. And we're like, why do I continue to give in to sin? And that's what Jesus is saying. When we yield to it, it becomes our master. But when we obey what he teaches, we experience that freedom. How can the truth set us free? First, we've got to know it. Then we can step into the freedom. But truth deserves a response. And I think about Jesus' followers. As they had listened to him teach, as they walked with him and spent time with him, even they had questions. Even they were trying to understand and process. And I appreciate that because we don't have the opportunity to physically walk with Jesus, but we still have questions. And sometimes we, we, we want those questions answered. Thomas, sometimes we call him Doubting Thomas, he asked the questions. And because Thomas asked the questions, We have this response. So Jesus is saying, I'm about to leave. And Thomas is like, where are you going to go? 
take us with you. Well, how, how can we know where you're going if you don't tell us or take us? And here's what Jesus said, the famous verse, John 14, 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Truth deserves a response. Jesus is the truth. You see, whether we want to admit it or not, every single day, in fact, every moment, we're responding to the truth of Christ by what we do, how we live, what we ingest into our bodies. Jesus said this, though. This is a universal and absolute truth. Not that everybody agrees with it, but this is what the God of creation said. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is the only way to God, Jesus. There is no one, he says, there is no one who gets to the Father except through me, through Jesus. That means that we put our faith in trust in Jesus. That's what he's telling his disciples. That's what the word of God teaches. He says he is the truth, which we've spent time talking about. He's the truth that sets us free. But not only that, he's the life. You see, in John 10, 10, we're reminded it's the thief, the devil, that wants to steal, rob, kill, and destroy us. It's the thief that takes everything that has been created that's good for us. He wants to steal it from us and destroy us. But in the same verse, Jesus says, but I have come that you might have life. Jesus desires for us to have life, that we would not only be set free, but we could experience life with him and life the way he's intended it with other people. There is freedom in that. Jesus is the only way to God. And the truth is, our hearts have been created for that relationship. Our hearts yearn for that relationship with God and the evidence of it is every time we spend time with him, there is a nourishment that occurs within us that can only come from a relationship with God. There is a nourishing that occurs. And when we try to fill it with other things, we're left running on empty or feeling as if there's no lasting fulfillment. And that's evidence of God's goodness. But Jesus says he's the only way. Heaven is a real place. It isn't just a figment of our imagination. It isn't just something that is um, superstition. But Jesus says heaven is a real place. In fact, Scripture describes heaven as a kingdom, heaven as an inheritance, a country, a city, and a home. Heaven is a real place, but it's also an exclusive place. You see, Jesus said that he is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is not simply a way, but he is the way, the truth, and the life. So how can the truth set me free? How can knowing the truth of who Jesus is set us free? Because God changes our lives. He transforms us from the inside out. The world tries to conform us the world tries to get us to, to think like them, act like them. The world wants to conform us with a C from the outside. But Romans chapter 12 reminds us that God wants to transform us from the inside. And that happens through the power of the Holy Spirit. 
How can the truth set us free? The truth sets us free as we receive him and we trust him. There may be people here today who have never received the truth of who Jesus is, of his claim to be the son of God and the only way to a relationship with him. In just a couple moments, I'm gonna give us a chance to pray and receive him. But for those of us who have been walking with Jesus for years, and there are places and parts of our lives where we have never experienced freedom. Oh, we've talked about it, we've thought about it, and we've wanted it. And yet, we're still captive. We're still held in bondage. Maybe it's in place of anger, of bitterness, unforgiveness, lust, not being content and overspending. But there are places in our lives that we've been held in bondage and we're like, how is today going to be any different? How is it that the truth of Scripture can really set us free? I mean, after all, there's examples in our lives where we, we have known that if we will say yes to Jesus, he will change and transform us, and we've waited. How can today be different? It can be different with a very difficult decision. And that difficult decision, even as believers, is to say, you know what, once again, God, I'm gonna die to self. I'm gonna, I'm gonna die to self, literally. And I'm gonna live for you. I'm gonna die to self and I'm gonna live for you to experience freedom. And that's what Bruce Milne was saying. When we, when we do that, we experience life the way that God has created it to be. And what I wanna do this morning is pray that we would experience the truth of what Jesus teaches in John chapter eight, in John chapter 14. I wanna pray that we would experience that truth. But if you have never received the truth of who Jesus is, I wanna invite you to pray for that this morning with me as well. God, we look to you and we ask that you would please help us today to not just leave having heard your word, but that we would really be ingesting it, that we would be set free by our faith in you, that today would be different, that today we would experience the, the truth of who you are and the freedom that comes from it. And God, for anybody this morning who has never made that decision to say yes to you, that today would be the day where right now they would even pray something like this, Lord Jesus, I know that you are the Son of God. I know that you died on the cross for my sins. I know that God raised you from the dead three days later, conquering death. And today, Jesus, with all of my heart, I'm believing you. With all of my heart, I'm trusting you, and I'm surrendering my life to you. And however it is, God, that you're stirring people, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Previous messages of our Acts series can be found at hccalive.com. 
If you would like to partner with us, you have the opportunity to give at hccalive.com as well. Don't forget to subscribe, and may we continue to love like Jesus.